This podcast is for informational purposes only and does not constitute legal, tax, investment, financial, or other advice. It is not intended to cause or induce breach of an existing agency agreement. The goal of this podcast since day one is to provide the best information on the Vancouver real estate market at no cost to you, the listeners. To that end, we'd like to thank the following sponsors. This podcast is sponsored by Marcon, a local family-owned and managed real estate development and construction company that's been around for nearly four decades. Marcon is not only committed to high-quality construction, but it also is making a positive impact in the communities in which it builds all across the Lower Mainland. We want to highlight two incredible Marcon projects. Elmwood, a 38-story tower located at Burquitlam's most important intersection, Como Lake Avenue and Clark Road. This landmark tower will feature 335 condominiums, over 37,000 square feet of office and retail space, and almost 20,000 square feet of amenity space. Elmwood has been incredibly popular with 80% sold currently, but they still have a great selection of junior one-bedroom all the way to three-bedroom homes remaining. Check out markon.ca slash Elmwood for more. And Matt, we are also excited about Sone House, Markon's newest community in West Coquitlam. With 165 homes ranging from junior one beds to three beds, Sone House offers the perfect West Coast aesthetic with a more nuanced Nordic-inspired design. Register today at markon.ca slash Sonehouse. That's S-O-E-N-H-A-U-S. Or you can learn more at markon.ca or follow them at Instagram at markonhomes. Markon, building for life. Hello? 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 This is the Vancouver Weather State Podcast. And welcome back to Vancouver Real Estate Podcast. I'm your host, Adam Scalina. And I'm your other host, Matt Scalina. And Matt, a very happy holidays to all the V-Repper community. That's right. That's right. It is the 19th of December. I hope you are... uh, Getting so excited for Christmas. And so intoxicated on eggnog. (laughs) Um, I I hope everybody's relaxing, really, is what I Well, Well, you're relaxing. You're actually on a beach in Hawaii right now. Yeah, Matt. Mahalo. Mili kaliki maka. To you too, yeah, Matt. Well, that was that was very well spoken. Um, I would only reply by saying, "Pehaoi." But here's the thing. Here's the thing. Uh, our voices sound a little different, but you know what? The, today's episode is it's the Dateline exclusive Christmas special. That's right. Now this is a series of whodunits. It is a series of whodunits, and this is here's the concept. We brought in the Panku Petty brothers from PPL Accident Recovery Group. This is a personal injury law firm. Right. And they're going to present cases to us, okay? So these are liability cases surrounding properties, okay? So this could be your primary residence, your investment property. Yeah. And then you and I, in our infinite wisdom, have to guess who's at fault. Right. And and this might not be a spoiler alert. We guess wrong almost every single time. It's unbelievable, actually. But the cases are really, you know, this reminds me of, you know, somebody knows something type stuff. Like they, these are interesting cases. And who's at fault is sometimes very, very hard to decipher. Well, there's a reason, Matt, that you didn't do very well in the logic games. Well, exactly. There's a reason I'm not a lawyer. Yeah. Yeah. It was, was the LSAT. That was the yeah, other reason. It was just crushing. <laughs> No, come on! You did really well in the LSAT. Never, I never wrote the LSAT. Yeah, but let's anyways. Let's let's uh, let's, let's cut run to with the guys that. who yeah. did write the LSAT. Yeah, two guys that did, and uh, no, this is this is really useful stuff for all the landlords out there or homeowners gen- more generally. But just out of curiosity, Matt, while well, I've got you, an athlete has six trophies to place on an empty three shelf display case. Okay, the six trophies are bowling trophies F, G, and H, and mm-hmm. tennis trophies J, K, and L. Mm-hmm. The three. Shelves of the display case are labeled one to three mm-hmm. from top to bottom. Okay. Any of the shelves can remain empty. The athlete's placement of trophies must conform to the following conditions. J and L cannot be on the same shelf. <laughs> F must be on the shelf immediately above the oh shelf that L is on. Okay. Yeah. No single shelf can hold any of the three bowling trophies and K cannot be on shelf two. So, so what's the question? I... I wasn't aware that there was a question. I thought that was the question. 
Anyways, guys, this, we better get some. Leave it to the professionals. Yeah, let's yeah, leave it exactly. to the professionals. All Mark right, and Jay, thank you, Patty. Enjoy. Enjoy. Okay, we're here with J.A. Pankupetti and Mark Pankupetti from PPL Accident Recovery Group, a personal injury law firm in Vancouver. Welcome, guys. Hey, Scalina Brothers. Great. Scalinas? Yeah, thanks for taking the time, Pankupetti Brothers. Yeah, this is like if the Mahavaliches and the Gretzkys ever met. <laughs> is it? <laughs> I, I think we're nowhere near on that, uh, uh, that caliber. but an, an important summit. Let's just put it that way. <laughs> <laughs> Game seven. Welcome, guys. Uh, so maybe can you start by telling us a little bit about yourselves? Absolutely. So we're, we're a personal injury law firm. So what we do is we, we help people who were hurt in uh, car accidents, slip and falls, um, accidents that happen on, on people's property where someone else is at fault. Our job is to help people recover. So a large part of that is helping them get access to the care they need in order to get better, uh, helping them uh, get back to uh, the parts of their life that were there before that had been lost because of someone else's fault. And then another part of our, our job is to go after uh, the, the people who are responsible for their harms and losses and help uh, through them um, help our, our clients recover. So we only help people who are hurt in the accidents um, and, and these incidents, and, and we don't uh, take on cases for um, you know insurance companies or things like that. So we had you on today. Obviously, um, we have a lot of people listening who are currently tenants or visit other people's houses and might get hurt. This is, seems like this will be applicable to them. We also have homeowners and landlords who listen to this program, and they're going to want to find out what they can do to protect themselves, not only from the financial loss if somebody gets hurt on your property, but also just to protect the people that are living in your property or visiting your property from injury. Yeah, and and so so today, what I mean, what we'd love to do is to to share some stories and maybe raise some um, interesting issues that people can think about. Um, if you're hurt, something to think about when uh, you know afterwards, and then if you're you, you know you own a property or you're responsible for property, things to think about as well. Um, we can't give out, and we're not giving out uh, legal advice today. Right. And, you know, and with all of these stories, with with everything that happens in real life, all all the facts for all these different events are, are different. So. If you do have questions about uh, something that has happened or the potential for something to happen, or if you're just concerned, call it a lawyer, uh, call a lawyer and, and ask them, speak with them specifically. So today it's just supposed to be uh, something that, to raise interest in, in this issue. Mm-hmm. Yeah, for sure. And I, and yeah, absolutely. And I think it's going to trigger ideas in landlords' minds and obviously in tenants' minds of things that, you know, exist in properties that they're aware of that maybe they haven't re- repaired or a potential hazard, right? Well, is, I, I think as a, as speaking uh, as a landlord, it's really easy to neglect uh, even the smallest issues that are potentially harmful. I mean, if you're not living in the property, um, you know, it, this should serve as kind of a reminder that those things can be. Especially if you're a cheapskate. I, I was going to say or a slum landlord. Yeah. Not me. Not but, you. Uh, but yeah, they're out there guys yeah well, well let's I, I mean we should just part of the reason we really wanted to have you guys on to talk about occupiers liability is because in vancouver now the cost of land has gotten mm-hmm. to the point that people are often stretching themselves right so a lot of people need mortgage helpers so you might be somebody that just is a is a landlord because you wanted to live in a house well, right house, it's almost like forced suite. landlordship right um and and I think that's a that's a, a real thing. So and the other thing about it is a lot of people live in these houses from the turn of the century, the nineteen forties, post war bungalows, or they live in apartment buildings that were maybe, you know, predate the nineteen nineties or whatever, nineteen sixties, seventies, eighties. And obviously there's been a lot of code changes. So there's always risks on these properties. Right. So maybe we should just start with a, a kind of general idea of what occupier's liability is yeah so here, here's a broad kind of overview and there's there's more nuances to this stuff than this but this is a broad kind of overview so what we're talking about is the 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 care that someone who's an occupier so someone who um, has physical possession or is responsible for has control over a piece of property let's say um, the care that they owe the people that are coming onto that property right and this whole area of, of law is about that duty of care, the responsibility you have to make sure that your your premises, your your property is is safe for use. 
Okay. Well, I'm curious to get to these stories. I think that's a, one of the most exciting things about the field of law from my limited knowledge is hearing about the cases. Is the cases. Yeah. So let's get to, the, let's get to some cases and uh, flesh this out. Let's start with landlords and tenants, right? So landlords are often occupiers. Uh, this is a case from, it's actually from Victoria Island, or sorry, Vancouver Island. Um, the landlord in the situation is a self-made man from Eastern Europe. He, uh, he comes over when he's, uh, I think, in his early, early adulthood and becomes a carpenter. Uh, and through his carpentry business, he ends up making a lot of money. And he affords himself the ability to buy an apartment complex. Now, in this apartment complex, he's got tenants, obviously. Um, one day, one of the tenants uh, mentions that they think the railing on their balcony is rotting. Right? So at this point, uh, he knows that there's a, a rotted railing on the balcony. The tenants live on the third floor. Right? So Sounds dangerous. It is dangerous. Um, but he doesn't do anything about it immediately, right? um, which is probably not the best course of action. Right, but it's probably pretty standard for in a, in a lot of cases. At least we hear people talk about tenants in Vancouver complaining about you know, stuff not getting fixed. Yeah, and when you and I think that's the, when you when you complain about something, you hope to get things done, right? Especially when your landlord is a carpenter, right? <laughs> right. So he's he's got his ticket, as they say, um, and he was aware of it. Uh, the tenants end up complaining again, and he does nothing. Um, and the landlord, you know, landlords and tenants have interesting relationships. In this situation, the landlord wasn't the biggest fan of his tenants. He at one point in the decision, he calls his tenants nincompoops. Wow, it's uh, you know what though harsh words. So so so, but the and, and obviously we don't know intention here. But I often think if a landlord doesn't like their tenant, they're going to do as little as possible in the hopes that these people will leave. Leave, yeah, yeah. And just because you don't like someone doesn't mean that uh, you don't owe them a certain. You have an obligation to your tenants to make sure, sure. they live in a safe place, and you don't have an obligation to like your tenants, but. Um, you know, you have yeah. to do what's what's reasonable. Sure. So, so what happens in this case? So they complain again, and he does nothing. And eventually, uh, the tenants take it upon themselves to fix this railing. So they go to the hardware store, they get the two-by-fours, they, they fix this balcony railing, and uh, the landlord actually comes by and notices that it's been fixed. And the landlord, um, after seeing it's been fixed, looks at it and says, I'm a carpenter. That doesn't look like it was a good job. Yeah. You know, probably could have done that better. Doesn't think anything of it. He sees it. He sees it. Okay. He's fully aware of the the repair, and he doesn't like it. Right? And that's when he actually calls the the tenant a nincompoop. He's like, that nincompoop could never fix that balcony properly. Not a carpenter. Not a carpenter. Right. So, uh, the tenants actually end up having a bit of a party. So, they invite some friends over. And one of the friends they invite over is their cousin, who's in town from Fort St. John. And their cousin's a big fella. He's six foot two, 255 pounds. Right, and like any other party, there's uh, some alcohol involved. The cousin brings over a flat of beer. Over the two hours uh, that they, he was at the party, he drinks four beers. That would put a lot of people under. But if you're 250 pounds, doesn't sound like he was scratching the surface. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. How, I don't know how these gleaners go about it. Well, <laughs> keep in mind we drink non-alcoholic beers, so yeah, that's true. The O'Doul's yeah. definitely <laughs> handle three. Yeah. So okay, so then we've got he's 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 had four beers. So they go out on the balcony for a smoke, um, and he leans up against the the newly repaired balcony, and within a minute, uh, he falls through the the repair and down three flights of stairs. Wow. Okay. Wait, three stories? Like, sorry, no, three no. stories. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Okay. That's right. So that's that's a ways. So he doesn't die, but he gets hurt. He gets severely hurt. Um, I mentioned he was six foot two, two hundred and fifty five pounds. After the accident, he actually lost five centimeters in height and about forty pounds. He's hospitalized for about five weeks. Um, so he's severely injured from this. So so before before we kind of get into the the whys and wherefores here, think about if you were in his position, the guy who was hurt. Right. Let's say you had a job and uh, just hypothetically, not even him, but another person, you had a job and you're supporting your family and you've fallen three flights. You know, you're in a wheelchair for a month. You've got a broken pelvis, hernias, all sorts of stuff. Um, and you've got to pay the bills. You've got to pay your rent. You've got to, you know, try and get back to work. You've got to pay for your medication. You've got to pay for uh, treatment going forward. Um, who's going to cover all that? Well, here's the question, because I'm struck by your definition of occupier's liability. 
with the idea of physical possession. It's possession or or responsibility. Layman's understanding would be that this is the the landlord's responsibility, 100%, he's at fault. Mm -hmm. But when you said physical possession of the property, that makes me think, what responsibility does the tenant have with his guests to provide a safe space, right? That's a great question. So tenants can also be occupiers. Right. But I think the big, and I'm going to venture a guess here too, I think that the the big thing is that the landlord saw and knew about the repair that the tenant had made. Let's 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 cut to yeah, the chase. Yeah, cut to the here. chase. Who's who's at fault? Well, let, let, let me let me ask you guys. What do you think? So, if you had to decide who's responsible for um, the person who's hurt here, um, who's responsible for his harms and losses, and you could pick him, you can pick the landlord, you can pick the tenants, um, or a combination of them. Who would you say, or what group of people would you say is responsible? So, and why? Yeah, here, here's what I would say. It's definitely not the guy who fell. He seems to be. There's no chance he's at fault. What is the hard part for me is the physical possession and the irresponsible fix of the tenants, who seem to have contributed in this case to at least a railing that looked like it might be able to sustain the weight of somebody that they are having over, right? It seems like they are responsible in some way. But I do think if I had to just take a guess, I would say um, 70% landlord, 30% tenant. Hmm. Hmm. I'm actually, uh, you know what? I think after I've given it some thought, I'm going to support that answer. I think that I think that the landlord is primarily at fault. He was aware of the repair. He didn't repair it in the first place. I think the tenant would probably have, uh, you know, there, there would be maybe be support for a tenant if they said, look, we knew it was a hazard. We did our best to kind of make the repair on behalf of somebody that wasn't making the repair, the landlord. Um, but I still think they're at fault for, for trying to do something, trying to better it by not calling a professional or something along those lines. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, set, let's go 70-30. Hmm. So things that you should remember from the story or from the case, uh, the landlord sees Slender's the, f- language. the fix yeah. and knows that it's a bad fix and does nothing. And does nothing. Does that okay. change? That, so, actually, that maybe you, puts it back on the landlord then. Because I, you know what I think? somebody else's irresponsibility is... He should have caught that though. He, and he, he also is a landlord. And he did. He does catch it. He so it's 100% it. landlord. You guys are waiting for the answer on this one. Yes, so this yeah. is an, this is an interesting roll, one. So... so the, the judge in this case um, says that the defendant landlord knew that there was a problem with the railing before the tenancy started. And they, he knew that uh, from the tenants that uh, you know, they had said to him, please fix this thing for us, right? So there's knowledge. The landlord knew that um, one of the tenants tried to fix it. And like Mark said, knew that it wasn't done properly. So there's knowledge, 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 right? And then the, the judge says, well, by choosing inaction, the landlord breached the standard of care of a reasonable landlord responsible for the maintenance. So the, the, the judge says that the landlord owed a duty of care to the tenants and the guests and that he breached that duty. And, 100%. Well, it's an interesting one because in, in this case, it was, only the, <laughs> it, it was only the landlord that was sued. Oh, okay. So then the other... So... so th- hypothetically yeah um and and the judge in the case kind of talks a little bit about what about the the tenant who did the work right yeah so there's the possibility that they could be on the the hook for it as well but in this case it was just the the landlord that was sued M- matt i'm gonna give you what what he won't give you it's 100 percent landlord. it's 100 percent landlord okay hey, landlord. Ju- this is just thinking uh and i should probably know the answer to this you have a staircase with snow on it the tenants generally shovel the snow. Yeah. The mailman slips and falls. Landlord or tenant? Are you asking for a friend? <laughs> <laughs> I know Matt and snow shoveling works. Uh, this is a, it's a great question, but I think as we mentioned at the beginning, everything kind of turns on the facts, right? So you've given context us specific. It's very, very context specific. All right. Um, but I think you've hit some key points where a tenant can be an occupier, a landlord can be an occupier. Pretty, pretty lawyery answer for a guy who's, who's not a lawyer. Not, not, yeah. 
<laughs> well, it depends on the facts. I mean, but that, that, you know, the truth of it is that's exactly it. It depends on the facts, right? And, you know, when you're talking about things like maintenance, right? You, you, like an example is you go into a grocery store, yeah. right? And there's a spill in a grocery store. Well, one of the questions that, you know, the, a judge would ask is, is, well, is there a reasonable system of maintenance in place to make sure that things are swept up? right? Mm. So what reasonable steps are taken? There's a bunch of cases out there where there's snow and, um, you know, the, the, the snow wasn't shoveled, someone slips, falls, hurts themselves, and there's no liability. And there's also a bunch of cases out there where there is. So it all depends on the facts of the case. Okay, so story two, I'm excited about, uh, about this one here. Yeah, you should be because right now I think you're in a ground level apartment. No, I am. Yeah, we are the new podcast. Studio. The new podcast yeah. studio is in a ground level apartment. It's a beautiful studio. Egg cartons on the wall. Let's go. Okay, so um, it's another landlord tenant issue. Okay, um, the tenants have been living in this place for about four years, right? And they're ground level uh, apartment renters. Now, everyone in this apartment complex in Delta, British Columbia, uh, kind of has a shortcut. So instead of going through the the front door or the the lobby they decide that they can exit through their back patio. Now, the back patio doesn't have a gate. It just has a three-foot-tall wall, right? On top of so that So they just wall. hop over the wall. They vault over the wall, as the judge said. Right, okay. Or clamor. Yeah. <laughs> On top of the three-foot wall are decorative bricks, right? Each decorative brick weighs about 15 pounds. Two tenants in the situation, and one of them uh, usually uses the, the back patio to leave. Uh, one day, she's bringing her groceries home, she clambers over the wall and notices that one of the decorative bricks is loose. She goes, well, that's not my problem. She immediately contacts the maintenance guy at the apartment. Maintenance guy says, you know, I'll check it out. Two weeks pass. No one's checked it out. Goes back to the maintenance guy and says, you know, if you could fix my brick, please. And he's yeah. like, okay, I'll look into it. Maintenance guy never fixes the brick. Once again, she's got some friends over. So she invites a bunch of her friends over and her sister. Now, her sister has been visiting her at the apartment regularly over the last four years. Um, but what's interesting in this case is her sister doesn't like using the patio to enter and exit the, the apartment. And you might think it's because uh, safety issues. The sister once actually did use the patio to enter and exit, and she squished a slug with her hand. And that crust. Gross. Yeah. <laughs> okay. That would prevent us from doing it. As yeah. Well. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, and and in this case, though, is the sister the one who clamors over? So what happens is they've all got a, a lunch plan down in Ladner, and they're going to walk there. So a group of friends, they all leave through the apartment, and the sister's like, "Guys, you know, slugs. I'm yeah, not, yeah. not going over that wall." Yeah, but you know, enough. you know how you do the peer pressure. Yeah, the encouragement. Your sister just did it. You were brothers. Yeah. We know what it's yeah, like yeah. when one brother does something and the other brother doesn't. Yeah. Right? You won't clamber over that. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> Bet you any money you won't. You're scared of slugs. Yeah. <laughs> so eventually she works up the courage. She's wearing a skirt, right? And she, she actually goes over the wall one foot at a time and then she brings her other foot over, right? Mm -hmm. As the other foot comes over, she knocks off one of these decorative bricks, 15 pounds on the back of her Achilles heel. Oh. And she gets injured. Oh, man. I can't imagine something more painful than a brick landing on your Achilles yeah. heel. Okay, I have a question for you. There was, there's an on-site caretaker. There's an on-site caretaker. Okay, this is clearly either the, and it must be actually purpose-built rental because they're talking to the, they're not talking to their landlord and then talking to the to the maintenance person. They're talking to the maintenance person. I would say it's the uh, the property management company or the owner of the entire building that's at fault here, 100%. Yeah, and Adam. I would say, uh, Mark, that was a herring, that bit about the slug and everything else, why she didn't use that on a regular basis. I think that's uh, more... I'm going to say that it is 100% the property management or the owner of the apartment building. I feel like we need a gavel when this Kalina the, the, the problem is, the, the problem verdict? is, is the, that the Kalinas we, have spoken. Well, we also, I feel like um, we always think the same thing for some reason, too. And also, uh, yeah, we're both scared of well, slugs. Spend a lot of time together you, as well. You picked yeah. that story specifically for Matt. <laughs> so it's funny, uh, the slug's not actually any kind of red herring. The slug yeah. actually factors into the decision. So wow. uh, again, we'll we'll turn to Jay for more of the legal analysis. Holy, this one's... I'm, I'm, I'm on the, the the end of my seat here. So so again with this one, um, notice is a. I think you're right, right. Uh, first off, you're 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 right in the sense that there's there's liability on the on the part of the um, uh, of the owner uh, to keep the walls repaired, right? Yeah. 
That, that 100%. I, think, I think we can all agree on that, right? Sure. Especially just like the last story we talked about when there's when there's notice. Oh, hold on though. They shouldn't that's not Wait, the entrance tick. or exit, of course. They shouldn't be using that as the entrance or exit. Wait a second, my mind is just blown. <laughs> See, and you and you you can just sense my end yet coming. Oh, right. uh, of that. course. Okay, they shouldn't have been using it. This is actually hundred percent not the property manager's uh, years, fault. Years of the Hardy Boys and Matt. Uh, <laughs> I'm gonna and, reverse and a, my decision. And a few I'm years of Judy Bloom, but uh, but mostly the Hardy Boys. Is that you, Margaret? <laughs> I don't so, ever want to be in like a 12 angry men situation with Matt Scalina. Yeah. Send him to the chair. No, wait. No, he's innocent. Yeah, yeah. No, no. Back to the chair. Back to the chair. Yeah. Okay. Actually, I... Is well, anyone else well, hungry? Well, let's back up. Let, let's back up Dude. to what we know so far. Right. Right. We know that the the owner, the property manager here uh, has knowledge, right? We, we know that, that They know it's being the entrance knows, exit. They, they know that people are going that way. They yeah. know that the, the brick is loose. They've been, they've been told a couple times, a number of times that this, there's a problem with this brick. So they know of the danger, and they've done nothing. I'm starting to think the slug, <laughs> the yeah, slug I, is at fault. Yeah. <laughs> right, let, let me let me let me throw one one little uh, wrench into the works for you and see sure. if this changes your mind. All right, and this is just as by point of interest, right? Okay. Later on in the year, after this injury happens, the property manager goes and fixes all of the bricks in a bunch of uh, the different properties. Uh, that are there all these loose broken bricks they go and they fix before they were found at fault after the after the incident happens before this case goes okay then that that puts them at fault for sure because then they're because that's um i would imagine that's um admitting a required repair of some sort or or acknowledging that that there was strategically a a bad move (laughs) so who was it here, here here it is who done so so here's here's what the court says the court says it's 50 50 wow and here's why. So knowledge is a huge part of this, right? So, so the property manager in the case um, knows that uh, the tenants and their guests had adopted the patio walls as a regular way of coming and going. So they know that yeah. people are going that way, right? And the building manager, um, uh, although they conduct an annual inspection, court says that's not enough, particularly when there's potential for, uh, for a hazard here, right? And there's a knowledge of these loose bricks and a potential for injuring occupants and guests, okay? So the court says it's the responsibility of the owner to keep the patio walls in repair and make sure that it's fixed, okay? So, so there's where you're, you get the, the responsibility of the, uh, the owner and the property manager. But when you start climbing over walls that aren't designed to be climbed over, there's some responsibility there. This is where the court comes back and says, well, um, you know, there is some responsibility to ensure that you're taking care of your own safety too. And that's where the court comes back. Or not compel your guests to do it. Oh, the taunting. The taunting. Mm. I think that was, uh, is that actually part of the decision? I don't think you get any liability necessarily in this case for the taunting. <laughs> that's a brother's thing. Yeah, I think that's just a brother. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. No, no. In this one though, she she says uh, she, the court says that she didn't um, take reasonable care to ensure that she was safe uh, and to make sure that the decorative cap, the brick that fell on her, was secure before she jumped over that. Wall. So if she's looking for, let's say she's off work, all these things in a fifty-fifty case, that means half of her. Costs are covered by the property management company, and then she's responsible for the other half. So, so in in one or of these personal injury cases, there's be. there's there's two things that that need to be proven, right, uh, in order for someone to get compensation in a case, right. The first thing is you have to show that someone else is at fault. So now we know that the the owner in this case is fifty percent at fault. Okay, so we've established that someone's at fault that's not, you know, outside of the person that was hurt. But then you still have to go and prove um, what this person's harms and losses are. Right, and you have to show, you know, what their pain and suffering is, what their wage loss is, what their future cost to care is, what their out-of-pocket expenses are. You have to establish that. Once that's established, because she's fifty percent at fault, that total number will be reduced by fifty percent. Mm-hmm. Hmm. Here's another question that just comes out of the annual inspection, because um, as I've mentioned on this podcast, I just had a slow leak uh, in a tenanted property that I may not have inspected as much as I should have. And I think that's a common mistake for landlords. Just a general question here. What's kind of a reasonable expectation for 
how often you should be inspecting a property that you are a landlord of in order to ensure it's it's a safe place. And I say this almost because my consideration more so than safety concerns is I don't want to, I, I feel actually awkward about saying to somebody, you know, hey, I'm coming into your home. I'm going to look around. I'm going to do it every six weeks or whatever. I think insurance often it's once a month. Like it's in it's an depends, uncomfortable depends situation. How you think of it though. You could be doing them a favor by identifying things that maybe they haven't brought to your attention. Good point. Is there a, is there kind of a standard in your guys' industry in this case, or is it context specific? It, you know, I'd say everything's context uh, specific, but. You know the 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 greater the risk, and then this is a general comment, but the greater the risk, the greater the the duty, right? So if you know that um, there's issues with uh, with rotting and, and and mold and things like that, I would argue that you should inspect more often to make sure that you know things like in that first story that that the deck is safe, right? right. The railing is safe, right? When and and when people start reporting things to you saying. Hey, I got these loose bricks back here. You better do something about them, right? You can't just sit back and and, and ignore a problem. When I say the the greater the risk, the greater the duty. Um, if it's a situation where you know occupier people going on the property are, are using that that area and there's a risk there, right? And that's a pretty big risk. You should be doing something about mm-hmm. it. I think specifically to your point too. Uh, we're also polite, mm-hmm. but uh, you don't have a duty to be polite. You have a duty to make sure that your your tenant is safe. So if we look back to the first case, maybe they don't get along, the landlord and the tenant, right? But that doesn't matter because he doesn't mm-hmm. have a duty to get along with his tenant. He, he has to make sure that things are safe. So if you're worried about kind of peeving off your tenants, let them know that you're doing it because... You're actually doing them a disservice by exactly. respecting well, and, their and, privacy. And there's rules about how That's to right. do it, right? I mean, uh, you know, there's rules about how to... Um, give tenants notice about sure. when you're entering the property and all that sort of stuff. Right. But sure. I mean, you know, you can always ask for, for some guidance on that from property management companies, insurance companies, that kind of thing. Right. But the, the whole thrust of all this stuff is you want to make sure that if you're renting out a property or if you have a property and people are coming over or you're there, you want to make sure that people are safe mm. right? and you're taking reasonable steps to make sure people are safe. Because I mean, we've seen in these last few stories, people can get really hurt. Mm-hmm. Right. Right. And before we get to the third story, I just Mark, you said that the slug was involved in the in the ruling. That was also red hair. So it wasn't. So the reason why she doesn't want to go over the patio isn't because she's concerned with her safety. It's because she doesn't want uh, to get into another gross slug situation. And the judge comments on that. He yeah. Said, so, the, so the judge says that all that seemingly worried the lady here was the prospect of again encountering a slug. Hmm. Let's get to story three. These are these are compelling cases, guys. In this situation, uh, we've got a couple. Uh, let's call them Catherine and Eddie. Okay. And Catherine has access to this beautiful waterfront property on one of the islands out uh, out in the, the strait. And they're at the pub, and they're talking to one of their couple friends, and they're like, you know, you guys have never been to the, the vacation property. You guys should come. So two or three weeks pass by, and the couple they were talking to, they hop in their plane, with their dog, as you do, mm-hmm. and they fly over to the island. Now, at the pub, Catherine mentions that it might not be the best time to come to the vacation property because we have some renovations going on. They say, you know what? Don't worry about it. Renovations aside, we'd still love to come out to this this place. So they fly in. They drive. So they in. have their own. Just to get kind of the flesh out the story here, these are they have their own plane. And they're very good friends with these people? Yeah. The guests have their own plane. Okay. And they're going to go go visit this place okay. on the island. Place isn't in its best shape, but it's being renovated a little bit. When they show up, they get the grand tour. Everybody gives you the grand tour when you show up at a new house. You guys right. should give us the grand tour of the podcast studio. Right. Well, we already, yeah. We did yeah. that when you got here. So the grand tour is important. When they're giving the grand tour, they start pointing out where the renovations are happening. And one of the things they point out is a stairwell. The stairwell doesn't have a railing at the time right? They actually use that staircase to go to the basement, show them around the basement and go back up the stairs. So both couples have used the stairs. There's no railing on it. Uh, the grand tour is over. They all get settled in and uh, the two gentlemen go outside on the deck. One of the guys starts uh, taking photographs and the other guy lights up a marijuana cigarette and they're both having a beer. Okay. Um, they finish the joint. The guy keeps taking photographs. As he positions himself, to take a photograph, he starts walking backwards and falls down the stairs. 
Without, sorry, with, this is the staircase without the without railing. Without the railing. Okay, so they fall. He falls down the stairs. Falls down the happens. stairs. He hurts himself. Well, the the question is, who's it? This fault? is the guest, though. This but, is the guest. This seems like one of those ones. Well, I've been going first all the time. Let's, Adam. You I'm gonna. Me. I'm gonna say that the uh, the homeowner, the 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 renovator, mm-hmm. is at fault here. They uh, they should not be taking somebody around a property, uh, smoking marijuana cigarettes uh, when their renovation is not done and they don't have safety uh, safety equipment in check, such the, as a handrail. Yeah, the only thing about a handrail is like I'm even thinking of my staircase in my house right now downstairs that doesn't have a handrail it didn't have one when i moved in uh you should have one yeah but i've never even considered it um that's why we're doing this we're going to home depot after this yeah okay so i need a handrail hire someone competent to go to home depot right okay so what what happens is it so i i think i'm with you that it's it's not even the fact that he was walking backwards he was it was an accident right he seems to be it, this seems legitimately an accident, but the larger context seems crucial here that they probably shouldn't have been there in the first place. They definitely shouldn't have used the staircase uh, or doing the things they were doing in a place that clearly wasn't up to, to snuff. So I think, Adam, again, we agree. This is clearly the case of the owner being at 100% fault. Okay. J-A? It's a split. Wow! Not really? straight fifty-fifty, but it's a split. And let me let me tell you let me tell you a little bit more of the story. So, um, well, if we had well, all the facts, we could probably could have made them. Whoa, whoa. Wait a <laughs> well, I want to paint a, a better picture. I think of uh, you did a great job, by the way. Oh, shots. <laughs> uh, I want to paint a different picture, I guess, um, or a clearer picture of what this uh, this stairwell um, looks like. So, picture, a, and I hope I'm getting this right from this case. But if you look at the, imagine a ground like the, the, the floor, right? Mm-hmm. And then there being a, a hole there, which is where the stairs are. That's just so, an elevator shaft. But think well, about no, there, how there you just described though. it though, right? Okay, think there's stairs you, going down. Yeah, and yeah remember, hole. they okay. use so the picture stairs. that elevator shaft oh, hole. Oh, but it's, yeah. so it's really, okay. So totally. So it's different. like a hatch in the ground. Right. And there's stairs. Okay, wow. that seems more dangerous than most stairs. So you'd think, right, that there would be some sort of steps taken in tor- to make sure that there's some sort of obstruction or warning or something there so that, you know, people are safe when they're using the property. So here, here's what the, what the court says. Court says, well, look, um, the, the owner had a duty to take reasonable care to see that the, the guests would be reasonably safe. And that's elevated. So the, the risk is a little higher here because falling down the stairwell could potentially cause serious injury or death. And... The person who was coming was an invited guest for the weekend and was unfamiliar with the layout of the premises, right? So the, the judge is saying, well, look, this person's not coming here every, you know, every day and knows that there's stairs there. They're unfamiliar, even though there's a tour, even though there's a warning. Now, the marijuana cigarette strikes me as that as something was, that should be that involved in the decision. A, a bit of a red herring. The judge dismisses it almost immediately and says wow. uh, neither of them are intoxicated. So, okay, so then... Uh, that seems how crazy, because this... how would you walk backwards into a hole? It seems like that marijuana cigarette would have some sort of... Uh, I mean, accidents happen, right? No, they don't. People are at fault. Always, yeah. Always at fault. Plaintiff lawyers. So people are... Yeah, right. Accidents don't happen. Um, <laughs> That's your guys' tagline. <laughs> some, some might say it was a spliff decision. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, Jay. Continue. <laughs> What, what in the end was it? It was a split, but it was 50-50? 65-35. 65 for the person who was the occupier, and 35 for the guy that fell down the stairs. So, so Jay, so can you explain why why was it a split decision, though? So it's a, it's a split decision um, because, uh, and it's split this way, they've apportioned the liability this way because of the uh, the fact that the owner's you know, they knew that this guest is coming over, doesn't know the property well, and um, didn't take reasonable steps to make sure that that place was safe. But it's split because they say that the the person that came over um, should have taken, I mean, he was warned, right? The person that came over was warned that there was a hazard, right? So, you know, he's got to take reasonable care to ensure that in all the circumstances, um, you know, he's being safe too. So the the court says, um, 
you know, he didn't take care for his own safety. And because of that, despite the warning, he didn't uh, do the right thing. Nevertheless, 65-35 for the, against mm. the owner. Interesting. Okay, so moving on to the next case. Yeah, so this is, uh, this is an interesting case. So uh, we're taking you to rural northern British Columbia. And uh, to set the scene, a search party is kind of uh, gathered by a bunch of neighbors. So a mom and, their, and her son go out to play in the backyard, and they've got animals on their property. So the mom starts feeding the animals, and as uh, she's feeding the animals and, and putting water in the trough, the kid is talking to the horse. Now their horse is just eaten out of the manger, and the kid is chatting away. Um, the mom turns her back to her son and all of a sudden notices that it goes quiet. She quickly turns around and her son is gone. Uh, she panics. She gets everybody in the neighborhood together and they start searching for the kid. Right. So the, the reason why the mom and the son are, are in this position to begin with is they've rented a, a piece of property off, uh, off a landlord in Northern British Columbia. Um, the house was actually built by one of the neighbors um, and he constructed it along with the house. He constructed uh, a well to supply the house. And they said, and he said when he built the well, that it would last for about nine or 10 years, right? Nine or 10 years go by and they have to build a new well. Now, after the new well is built, that's when the family moves in. And when the family moves in, uh, it's a pretty informal arrangement. So they get on the phone with the landlord and there's no lease ever signed. Um, and they don't know about the old well. But they do say, we're a young family. We have a six-month-old child at the time. Fast forward to 45 minutes into the search. Uh, the person who built the house and the original well, it, cl- he cl- it clues into him that uh, there's the old well and they should go check it. So he pulls off the plywood that's on top of the well in the pump house. Uh, and they stir around the, the well and they find that the kid has been submerged for about 45 minutes. They pull the kid out. Uh, and within two and a half hours, they've actually revived the kid. But the kid suffers severe brain injury. Um, how did he get, I guess this is the mystery is how did he get in there? He's playing, he picks up the board. Who knows? I think the court eventually assumes that, uh, the, the child must have fallen down the well. But it seems to me like I, I asked that as a, actually a liability, like how, how easy was it to fall down the well? Yeah. So. I can describe the scene of the property better for you. So there's the old well, and on top of the old well, there's something called the pump house, right? When they build the new well, they build it about three feet away from the pump house, but it still feeds into the pump house. And they seemingly cover up the old well with a piece of plywood, right? The landlord never tells the family that the old well exists. And the landlord knows that they have children. Yeah. That's right. So this is clear cut, 100% against the landlord. Jay, the Here, verdict. Here, here's the tough part, though. You have to tell me why. <laughs> well, <laughs> uh, I think I think the negligence was one is that uh, he was aware of the well. Two, he was aware that one of the that the tenant had children, and that that would have created a well. And liability. that doesn't sound like it was secured properly. And it was not secured properly. And um, and uh, I also don't think the fact that no lease was signed is. Uh, well, plays but, a role. well, potentially though, because, uh, he never clear, maybe something along the lines that he didn't clearly outline. Now, what happens if I, the property? I told you that, uh, a lot of the maintenance was actually done by the family. So Still. Uh, again, we're in rural Northern British Columbia and they actually get all of their things approved by the landlord, but they do a lot of the maintenance themselves. I don't think it impacts it. Okay. Personally. Now, what happens if I tell you that parents have an obligation to their kids? But you mean... That seems beyond the scope of an obligation to go around looking for a well that you don't know exists. Sure. I think you just just hit the nail on the head there. That's exactly it. And the the court comes back and says um, the landlord failed to fulfill his duty to ensure that the place was safe. Um, When he turned that place over to the the parents and the kid, um, he didn't tell them about the old well. um, And he didn't do anything to make it safe at all. So the court says, well... I found that I, they find that the landlord knew something needed to be done about the well and didn't do anything and left an unseen and undetectable danger. He knew or ought to have known of that danger. And because of that, he's at fault for it. Just as an aside, when are these, so these are all court cases that if you guys come across one, a, a similar, presumably you come across a case, then you look for precedent, right? Like hmm, these are the cases, right. right. 
how far back are we talking when when these cases we're talking about happen? Are these some like- of these cases happen 10, 20, 30 years ago, and then they happen over the years, right? But they're still um, good examples of that that duty that we were talking about right. earlier. Things that landlords, occupiers, property managers need to be doing to be making sure these places are safe, so that people either who are living there or coming to visit there are safe when they come. Okay, and you guys have mentioned you have a case about dogs, which strikes me as uh, as really important because a lot of the landlords we talk to um, are really keen not to have pets in their properties. Sure. But there's a huge subset of them that realize there's a there's people with pets are desperate for rentals, and, and you can, pay a premium, and you can actually command a premium. So this dog case strikes me as very this is, is very yeah. interesting. This well, is it's, for it's you. super hard if you're if you're a dog owner to find a place to to rent in, mm-hmm. in Vancouver and the surrounding area. Right? It's really tough. And mm-hmm. if you're renting to someone in Yaletown, it's almost mandatory to have a dog in Yaletown. So you would might likely be renting kits, to somebody I think with a dog. That would apply to kits as well. Yeah, small dogs or. Uh, as is the case here, you could uh, you could be a landlord with a dog who's renting out a piece of your property. Sure, interesting. That actually sounds like myself. Let's right. let's get to this case. Okay, so uh, this is a situation where it's a rather large property, and there's actually two homes on it. Now, there's one home in the back of the lot, and there's one home in the front of the lot. The only way to get to the the lot in the back is to walk through an access road. So the landlord rents out the back home, right? The landlord has a dog. Um, and the only way to get for the tenant to get back to his house is to pass by the, the landlord's house every day. Now, there's no signs posted, so there's no beware of dog sign. But the tenant knows about the dog. Before the, the lease is even signed, before he moves in, the tenant actually meets the dog. The dog sniffs him, and the landlord immediately commands him to stop, and the dog listens. Everything kind of changes on moving day. So on moving day, the tenant comes in, and the dog runs at the car and kind of attacks his left tire. But once again, the landlord comes out and says, stop that. And the dog immediately stops. Next day, uh, he has to go up to talk about a plumbing issue. And the dog starts behaving very, very aggressively, right? Over the next six weeks, when the tenant has friends over, every time a friend goes down that access road, and again, you have to go through that access road to get to the tenant's house, the dog starts behaving very, very aggressively. The decision actually makes a point of saying the dog's tail was not wagging in any of these situations. Before this, though, no neighbors have ever noticed that the dog was being aggressive, and the landlords themselves think that their dog is fairly friendly and well-behaved. The tenant and their son want to go fishing one day, so they're leaving from the second house through the access road past the first house. Uh, As they leave, they notice that the dog is loose. The dog runs up to the tenants, and there's nothing to note, really. The the kid, the the tenant's uh, son, starts patting the dog on the head. Very, very quickly... The dog goes from being patted on the head to encircling the tenant and the son and barking. Um, The tenant pushes the dog away with his foot. And as he pushes the dog away with his foot, he falls down onto his right knee. As soon as he's on the ground, the dog bites him on both legs and bites him on the arm. Uh, The landlords come out, push the dog off with a broom, put the dog in the house. And that's kind of the end of the story. This seems, I think, I think it's got to be 100% the landlord's fault. But the only thing that gives me pause is I guess they were, well, they moved in without knowing that the dog was actually vicious, which it sounds like it is. So they'd signed the lease after because the dog just came up to sniff. Mm-hmm. Second thing is, though, the, the son pats a dog on the head which strikes me as strange behavior if you're that concerned about the dog i still think it's 100 percent. i'm gonna second that motion second that judge jay yeah. <laughs> you know what you're right it, it is 100 percent, and and i think it turns on uh the judge making a determination that um the owners of the dog uh, the landlords they knew about the dog's uh aggressive behavior to uh, the the plaintiff in the case and to others, so there's that knowledge element there. And then the judge says, "Well, look, you know, you know about this problem. What'd you do about it?" And the defendants in this case, you know, they had the they had the means of knowing that the dog could be vicious and aggressive, so they had the means to know that the, the dog could could be vicious. They didn't look into it. They knew that there was a problem with the dog, and then they didn't take steps to make sure that people 
who are on this property were protected mm-hmm. from the dog. So when the when the, when the, the bite happens, loose, right? you got it. Yeah. That's exactly what the judge says. The judge yeah. says, well, look, um, the dog was running loose and unattended when it happened. And what they could have done was to keep the dog chained up or confined in an enclosed space. And they didn't do that. Um, they didn't keep the premises reasonably safe for people who were using it, like this young kid. Now, this would be different context, but what happens if, uh, as a dog owner, and this is more of a general question that you guys may not be able to answer, as a dog owner, if your dog has never shown any signs of being vicious, what is your obligation in that case? Because I think of my dog, I I can't imagine him ever doing anything to anyone, Um, but there's a tenant in my basement what happens if my dog suddenly, you know, goes haywire and so so, so in 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 this stuff is um, again fact specific, right? Mm-hmm. But we talked before about knowledge being a really important part of this, right? right? So you're a dog owner, you, you take care of your dog, you, you make sure your dog's you know um, controlled and, and and safe, right? That that's just a reasonable thing that dog owners do. Um, but if you knew that there was a problem with your dog that your dog got aggressive or you had the means to know that your dog could get aggressive, then that could change things. Mm-hmm. Right. But you, I mean, right now you've got a dog that, um, it's just your dog, right? You're, yeah. What's your dog's name? Paco. Paco. Yeah. Paco's Francisco. a nice dog. Yeah. Paco's right? a nice dog. But if you knew that, that Paco was, uh, getting aggressive with people, right. And that, and that, that Paco, um, would, uh, show signs of being aggressive and jumping up on cars and scratching them and doing things that, or not uh, tame, that should give you notice that you might have to treat the situation a little differently, mm-hmm. right? You've got some warning. I so, can give you a, a countering case to it if you want. So uh, a kid grows up next door to this big German shepherd and they get along quite well uh, their entire, the, the entire time the kid is the next door neighbor of the German shepherd. And you know how we play fetch with dogs? We throw the ball, dog comes back, we throw the ball, dog yep. comes back, and then we fake throw the ball? Mm-hmm. And then the dog uh, goes and runs, and we think it's yeah, very yeah, funny. Yeah, yeah. So the kid did that to the dog, and uh, the dog, who had been friendly its entire life, um, bit the kid. Uh, and in that situation, because the dog was friendly its entire life and had no no history of that, and the owners had no idea their dog would ever be aggressive, and the kid and the dog had got along so well for years, the dog, and more importantly, the dog's owners, weren't found to be at fault. So be careful which dogs you teach. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Even friendly ones can bite yeah. you. So, so two kind of in closing. I have kind of two questions. Uh, and Adam, closing you, submissions. You, yeah, he sounds like he sounds like alert in closing. <laughs> I'd like to say the following. No, the first one is is that um, I think in anyone's profession, it kind of shapes the way you view the world. So Adam and I talk almost ex- <laughs> exclusively in zoning uh, <laughs> as we walk down the street. Um, do you guys just walk in a, like a dog park might be like a nightmare of liability? Like, do you just see everything in those terms? Has it changed the way you see the world? It must. Yeah, I, I actually, I, I wrap myself in that, um, in, in like a really puffy jacket with padded gloves. Every, every <laughs> bubble wrap. Like, yeah, bubble wrap. <laughs> uh, no, it doesn't at all. Um, it, it, funny enough, it doesn't. Um, you know, what, what I what I find interesting about this and what I really enjoy is when everybody has a story and, and everybody's has an experience and it's very personal to them. And when they are hurt, when they're hurt, they need help. And I, I really enjoy getting to know the people that I help out and that we help out and, and figuring out what their story is and, and what happened to them and what we can do for them. And so I, I don't look at it as you know, everywhere I go, you know, what, what injuries can befall, befall me or the people mm-hmm. I know. That being said, <laughs> Um, because we were coming here to do this podcast, uh, we were, we were waiting outside the apartment here and, um, we, <laughs> we were looking at the planter box uh, yeah. because we were talking about <laughs> occupier's liability and there are these three wires sticking out of your planter box right in front, electrical wires without, yeah. without caps on them. And it makes me think, geez, you know, where do those run? And yeah. what, who, who's going to be, you know... Well, don't oh, tell Adam. Now he has right. knowledge of them. <laughs> <laughs> also, that's how we're powering this podcast. <laughs> <laughs> so I guess it strikes me as, as a general takeaway here is um, to always be vigilant and proactive 
in regards to safeguarding your and spaces. take care of yourself. I mean, that's why these guys are wearing helmets right now for the podcast. <laughs> but I, but in all seriousness, the one thing I, I actually will say is, you guys, one thing that you must see firsthand is um, you're dealing with people that are injured almost all the time, right? And it's such a long, often process uh, for recovery and for for and people don't often see the repercussions of of these scenarios that they create where a person can be injured, right? And so, I mean, that's the biggest thing is, I guess if anything comes out of this podcast, it's the landlords listening that you have to be, you have to get your property to a place where it's safe because, because I mean, not only are you putting in yourself in a situation of liability, but clearly the repercussions are, are you know, potential of, of lifelong injuries sustained or, or death or, you know, what have you, right? So these it's, are, this it's is very being, serious. Be, be interested in care. Care about the, the, the properties that you own. Care about the people that live there or that could be visiting there. That's the biggest thing, right? Is actually actually care because you're right. The, these things can have big repercussions. And one of, the, one of our roles is to, um, if people don't care or should have cared and didn't, uh, we try and um, when, we, when we start lawsuits, one of the um, things that, that, that happens as a result of a lawsuit is it corrects bad behavior mm-hmm. maybe we should cut to the five wire yeah yeah five wire all five right quick perfect. questions we got to go out on a on a less ominous note yeah <laughs> pretty, that was pretty ominous yeah. <laughs> so uh five quick questions about vancouver and this is the first time we're doing with this with two people yeah this, i don't say. even know how this is gonna work yeah okay well, well we're we, gonna we do, apportion we'll do ja yeah, and then we'll do uh straight to mark and jay's giving me this look like what what the heck is the five wire and what did yeah, i sign it, up here they're for? pretty easy questions but uh first question ja what is your favorite neighborhood in vancouver That's really, a pregnant really, pause. Well, <laughs> you know, I, I, I really like uh, the Granville Island area a ton. Okay. I think there's, there's 300 different businesses in the area, really vibrant. People that, that have been living in the area for years, people who come to the area as tourists. It's just cool, vibrant, awesome, really human place. Great like answer. It. And maybe we, the first time we've got Granville Island. I was going to say that's the first time we've got Granville Island. Yes, yeah. Mark. Mark. The West End. Easily the West End. It's, it's one of the few places where it's hard to drive a car and it's easy to walk around. Great answer, too. Oh, this is, uh, is going to be good. Man, these brothers. Favorite bar or restaurant? Man. Another also, pregnant also, pause. Also, How to stump a, a lawyer, eh? Also a tough one, eh? <laughs> so, How to stump a lawyer. What do you do for fun? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. uh, favorite bar or restaurant? Um the Wolf and Hound in in uh, in Kits, and I, I know Mark over here rags me on rags on me for saying that all the time, but I think it's just a it's a wonderful, great spot that is reminiscent of an Irish, a real Irish pub, reminiscent. Wolf and Hound, the Wolf and Hound, not my not my favorite. Yeah, restaurant. bar bar yeah. Or restaurant. Mark, same question. I love the Narrow. I know that might be a little bit oh. a little bit played out, but. Yeah. Um, Going to the narrow is perfect. I think bars should be small. I think they should probably only have about 30 people in them and make them feel full. And there's no TVs in there. It's just warm. It's nice. West Side Mansion or downtown Pentos? Neither. Neither. Oh, downtown Pentos in the West End. Perfect. Where do you bring someone from out of town? The first place you bring someone? J.A. Granville Island. I was thinking that was going to be your answer. <laughs> or, or another really cool one is uh, is is Gross uh, Gross Mountain. You make them do the grind on. on the yeah, first I was going to say Vancouver? talk to no, about no, it. No, 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 no. But well, it depends. But um, I mean, it's beautiful up there. It's gorgeous, and you know, one of the things we have. The views is, are yeah, it's, shocking. It's the mountains, yeah, and there's bears. Yeah, is there? I didn't there's know two that. bears. There's bears up there. Yeah. Wow. Huh. All right, Mark Stanley Park. Stanley Park's got, got the best answer. of everything. It's got the beaches, it's got the seawall, and then inside it's like a rainforest. So yeah. it's crazy. I mean, how cool is it that you, you got a city that thought in advance enough to protect that and not turn it into a bunch of real estate, right? Yeah. Also close to the West End. And the last final question is, what is something you've bought in the last year or so for under $500 that has absolutely changed your life? 
It could be an album. It or could even be an app. Slightly it could be a gadget. It could be anything. And it, yeah, it doesn't have to absolutely change your life, but it could have even slightly changed your life. So, so I, I, bought a, um, I bought an old bike from like the 70s. And, uh, you know, it's just, I mean, I, it's a great old. Is it, now, do you like it because it's heavy? Like it's like a cruiser. It's it's not quite a cruiser. It it's it looks kind of like it's from the forties or fifties or something. And it's it's big. It's not. It's heavy because it's you know real steel kind of yeah. bike. But I mean, it's it's comfortable and old and. I've seen those around the big wheel. Neat. There's a the front wheel is really large, and then the back wheel is very small. That's a penny right? farthing. Yeah, <laughs> uh, I sit right. Up, it's like seven. Hey, right by Granville Island. Right up there on Granville Island, I got a top hat on everywhere. <laughs> No, no, it's a cool old bike, and and, and I, I like it because it's old and it's and it's and you bike everywhere. With it. It's nice, right? Great make, answer. Make use of those bike lanes. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's, a, it's a beautiful bike. We've biked together to work before. It's it's great. Um, upon reflecting, someone looked at me the other day and said, "Mark, you really changed when you bought that jean jacket." And I was like, "You know what? I did." <laughs> and that that fifty five dollar jean jacket that I bought is actually changed uh, changed my life. So. Rock and roll, man. Fifty five bucks. Wow. 55 bucks i got 445 more dollars to spend <laughs> that also uh, <laughs> is an answer that nobody's ever given but it kind of does speak to how important clothing is great well again thanks so much you guys for taking the time we really appreciate it and how can people find out more about what you do and ppl accident recovery group check out uh, www.recoveryppl.com or uh, give us a call 604-359-0909 Okay, excellent. Well, hey, thanks again for taking the time. Yeah, Thank thanks you. for coming on. That was uh, that was great. This is the first stories uh, podcast, but I like this. This is yeah. We're like uh, we're like lore now. Yeah, or this we're, American we're, life. Yeah, yeah. I, I'm I'm gonna in work three your, parts. Work on your Eric Glass impression there, Matt. So there you have it, folks, our discussion with J.A. and Mark Pankypetti. I hope you guys were keeping score at home, and I, I hope everybody was guessing with us. But yeah. here's here's something that is the biggest takeaway for me is if you own investment properties or you are living in a dilapidated house, you've probably got to walk around and take inventory and see where you're potentially liable. And also visit your investment properties. Yeah. I mean, that that was the other thing, and I've made that mistake. I mean, it's just those taking the little bit of time, the little bit extra that can really, you know, save you money, sure. save you time and heartache and legal fees, and also and maybe not let your property get to a stage where somebody's going to get hurt. But I mean, let's be a, honest. Let's be honest. The thing about Vancouver is that the land values are so high and the improvement values are so low that people often stretch themselves to buy a house that is in really, really bad shape, right? That's right, And, and yeah. investors often, because the land is so expensive, they don't spend as much money as they should on the improvement to make sure that it's safe. But what you don't realize is how much repercussion... So first of all, how tragic some of these examples were. Sure. But also uh, how tragic they are financially to to you as... Or, or it, it could sink someone, right? Yeah, it from, could. From and, a and you know legal what? perspective. And that's why we, we were so happy to talk to the Panky Petty Brothers. Yeah, for Vancouver sure. The no, Real Estate was... Podcast, bringing you this information to save you money, heartache, and time. Yeah. Emphasis on the heartache. Speaking of heartache, Matt, we don't have an episode next week. We don't. No, I know. This is a real tragedy. Yeah. Uh, it's Boxing Day. We're not going to do a show. You're, you're back. You're back, back from Hawaii. I'm back. I'm back. I'm, uh, I'm just going to focus on family. Yeah, focus on family, uh, and I'm uh, I'm away. So yeah, we're gonna hit the ground running in the new year, and uh, it's a great episode. I'm gonna just finish your sandwich for you here. It's Janet LePage. Yeah, you're not gonna want to miss this. It's also the perfect episode to kind of shake the cobwebs of the holidays and get motivated for a crazy 2019. When we did this interview, I remember both of us, after talking to her, we were just reeling. Reeling? I mean, I, I think I put a goal list for 2019 together like 10 seconds after we hung up the phone with her. It's, it's like... So it, inspirational. It's inspirational, for sure. So do not miss that. And uh, yeah, happy holidays once again, guys, and happy new year. Yeah, and what else do we got? We got the Vancouver Real Estate oh. Podcast website. Oh, yeah. VancouverRealEstatePodcast.com. 
This is where you head over to get all the latest news about real estate in Vancouver. We also have research tools such as private client services. Matt, if you are not using PCS, you are standing still while the rest of us power walk by. You get sold prices, days on market. It's basically realtor level information at your fingertips. It's updated 36 to 72 hours before public MLS. It's free. It's amazing. It's on our website. And uh, go there right now and sign up for free. Treat yourself this Christmas. Merry Christmas. Treat yourself. If you're not using PCS to search Vancouver real estate, you're doing it wrong. We also have that mobile app. Picture this, Matt. You got a bright, shiny red nose, and you're leading a sleigh over Vancouver. All right. Yeah, not too much eggnog. (laughs) And and you look down, and you see some homes, and you want to know what they're priced at. So you uh, you reach your, uh, what do you call that thing? Uh, A paw? A paw? (laughs) The hoof. The hoof. The huff, okay. <laughs> Nicely done. Good fellas. Uh, and you reach into your pocket and, and you fumble to grab your uh, cell phone because of the hoofs. Uh, yeah. But anyways, you can point your phone. It's got a mobile app. You can see what's on the market in real time. This is what augmented reality looks like if you're a reindeer. It's available on our website for free. Sign up today. Last but not least, if you want to talk about real estate, even at this time of year, I'm always available, 778-847-2854 or matt at vancouverrealestatepodcast.com. Or you can try me at 778-866-4574 or adam at vancouverrealestatepodcast.com. We also got that secret Santa Scalina line. Info at vancouverrealestatepodcast.com. Send your gift ideas. (laughs) All right. Happy holidays, guys. Have a good week, guys. Take care. Two thousand faces for radio. Subscribe today. Hey everyone, pardon the interruption. We just want to take a quick minute to thank the following sponsors who make this show possible. We want to take a minute to tell you about Holy House, a nonprofit organization that provides community building programs and tenant support services to low-income seniors, veterans, families, and vulnerable residents in the downtown east side and across the lower mainland. Melissa from our team has been volunteering at Holy House. Melissa, what's been your experience? Honestly, it's been so fulfilling just to spend a few hours a week in the community and watch how the staff really transforms these vulnerable communities from the inside out, starting with just small things, right? Playing games, drinking coffee, having some simple conversations that you wouldn't necessarily think are super fulfilling. And you come out just feeling like you've really made an impact and connected with the community. And you've been to multiple buildings, but you're playing games, drinking coffee. Yeah, you know, serving food sometimes. And you made some friends along the way. I've made some friends along the way. It's really helped me be more present, actually, in those moments of just, you know, realizing how simple life can be to make an impact, right? Fantastic. And if you want to learn more, you can definitely check out Jenny Conkin, co-founder of Holy House, who is a past guest fan favorite on the show, or head over to holyhouse.ca where you can donate or volunteer, and they're looking for both donations, and they definitely like volunteers. That's holyhouse.ca. Vancouver needs your help. Be part of the solution. We are also sponsored by Oakland Realty. This is our real estate brokerage, best brokerage in the city, hands down. If you are in the industry, a new agent, an aspiring agent, somebody just looking to make a change, new culture, new energy, new resources, head over to oakland.com slash join, type in VRP 2020. That's oakland.com slash join, type in VRP 2020. Not only do you get to meet Michael Morgan and the gang, the big wigs over at Oakland, you get a huge incentive for first going to oakland.com slash join, typing in VRP 2020.